Hello out there, all Big Beefin' listeners. This segment's going to be a little bit different than normal. If you know the format of Big Beefin', we usually uh, we do an hour-long show, and we and uh, my best friend, my brother, and his and uh, my best friend's brother, we all sit around and chat about current events, topics, and things going on in each other's lives. And uh, if you're my little brother, your perspective of that is that we constantly berate and make fun of you and often say humiliating things about you. Um, at least that's his take on it. This one's going to be a little bit different. I thought because we are on the cusp of bringing the show back and we will have that kind of normal programming for you. thought I would try something a little bit different because uh, all my other strategies have failed miserably. This segment is going to be called Story Time, which I tell a story of long ago, how I remember it. And uh, these stories are completely true. Uh, They're usually about other people, so you're not getting the story from their perspective. You're getting it from mine. But uh, I remember them quite vividly. So if you'd may, I'd like to transport you back in time. uh, And here we go with our first story time with Big Beefin'. Let's go back to the year 2005. We're talking 17 years ago. At that time, I was at the start of my university. I was going to UTA in Arlington, and I had been dating a girl, and we've said names on the podcast before. Her name was Emily, and we'd been together for a little bit, a little around a year. Now, before I started dating this girl, she was well known. We both worked at the same store. We both were working at Walmart. Uh, I'd gotten dumped by a girl that was working at McDonald's, and I knew that Emily had been dating a guy who worked in the photo lab. They split up, and she was available. I started talking to her, and then soon afterwards, I thought I would just talk to him and see what he knew. Me and him shared a couple of classes together at community college. Uh, We would later go on, ironically, to work at the same store in Arlington. It's just funny how things worked out. And I asked him, you know, why they split up. And first of all, hey, man, you know, I'm going to be dating her. And he's like, bro, you can have her. He said, I knew it wasn't going to work out when she called me at 7 a.m. on a Saturday asking me what I was doing. At the time, I didn't think anything unusual about it. But as things went on, I began to learn my dear friend's problems. Uh, This girl was nothing short of a psycho. To be fair... I wasn't the most perfect person either. Uh, Being that age, the right bold age of 20, I was a little immature myself and prone to get myself into things. But I'd let things build up over time and it had gotten to a boiling point. One day I was sitting in my car on my lunch break. At the time I was driving a Oldsmobile Delta 88 Royale the deluxe version. If you saw the car now, you would think it's a piece of shit. If you saw the car then, you would also think it was a piece of shit. The only time that that car looked like it was worth having is if you were a 60-year-old man in the 80s or early 90s, or maybe a grandmother. To every other person in the world, from the time that car was made to for whenever, it looked like a piece of shit. But when I saw that car on the lot at the price range that was my complete tax return for the year, 
I knew that was the car for me. In any case, that vehicle had seen better days. It was able to get me to work, but at the time, I wasn't legally able to drive. And even then, in Arlington, if you drove without current stickers, you were going to get a citation. I'd built up a few. Needless to say, I was on my lunch break at the good old Walmart in Arlington, and I would listen to a radio show every lunch break. We'd get a nice long hour break. I'd sit in my car and listen to the radio for an hour while I'd either eat a can of Vienna sausage or a drink from my mountain, my uh, McDonald's orange drink cup, which I'd only paid for once, and I refilled the cup endlessly because they told us we got in free refills. So I never bought a new cup ever again while I was there until the cup bottom fell out. And I heard a gentleman on the radio talk about his experience. The guy's name is Tom Likas. If you look him up, he's not the best man in the world. He's not real big on women. He's old. He's fat. Doesn't have a lot going for him other than he's got some, he's made money. He's a well-known radio host. And I was listening to him. And he said that things in his relationship had gotten so bad with the woman that he was with, that he was so passive and he was so accommodating and so willing to work. And just, he got to the point where he didn't even want to go home. He would work 40, 50 hours a week. I mean, extra hours on top of what he was already working just so he wouldn't have to see her. He would go home and fall immediately asleep and then start the day over again. And he got to thinking of how insane that was. And his words were, that was my house. That was my car. I paid for everything. Why can't I even go to my own house? What am I doing? And he made the decision right then and there to end it. They'd been together for a long time. They were married. As far as anybody knew, you know, there's no problems. Like as far as like domestic violence or anything. But he was miserable. He was not happy. And his message to everybody was, what are you doing? Why are you giving up control on your life for that person? If they can't meet your demands, if, they aren't, if they're not there for you and they're only there for themselves, then they're not worth your time. He also gave out tips about finding women and, and how to just get what you want. He was anti-relationship uh, long-term. He was more about just get what you need and move on. Uh, I don't even think he was big about starting families. Um, because it would involve long-term dealings with women. Which is not good for the human race, but that's where he came down on things. But those words he said resonated. I didn't want to go back to my house. So I knew immediately what I had to do. Right then wasn't the best time. As I said, the house, the, the, the car I was driving was illegal. I didn't have a valid driver's license, but I was still driving it. I was in the middle of my university. I was at the start of my university career. I'd done a year at community college. Was on the second uh, semester of undergrad and working at Walmart. We lived together in an apartment in North Arlington. She had just started a job at a sporting goods store. And I can tell you stories all day long about the things we did to each other and how miserable we all were. You would hear it from my perspective. I don't know what she would have to say other than I was just insensitive, um, which 
I guess in sen- being insensitive is a problem. I don't know why. It's not, it's not hurting you. I'm just not sensitive to you. I'm doing my thing. You do your thing. Why do I have to be sensitive? In any case, I decided to end it. Couldn't do it right away. But I knew then and there I was going to end it. And so several weeks went by. I went from having intercourse quite regularly to starting to use condoms because I was afraid she was going to get pregnant to just not doing it at all because I was concerned again she was going to get pregnant so we just well, I just stopped which that's why I know it's always a red flag if you're ever in a relationship and you stop having sex somebody's about to end it um, because that's exactly what I did so I called up my good buddy Josh also known as Red who at that time was attending UTA but was on academic probation and would eventually be kicked out for low grades because he was on a schedule to where he would sleep from 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. and then he would party all night and uh, he had friends sign in for him in class but he was never there to actually learn anything or study or take the test so he failed miserably and was kicked out of the school would later go back and ended up getting an aeronautical engineering degree uh, but it would take uh It would be another 10 years before he finally got that degree. In any case, I called my friend Josh, who at the time was living in a dorm right in the middle of UTA, and I told him, tonight's the night. I'm leaving. Can I stay at your place? He said, absolutely. Now, I went ahead and loaded up my car with everything that I had. It was enough to fill up the whole Delta 88 front, I mean the the trunk, the back seat, and the passenger side. The problem here was I didn't drive that car very much. I usually had Emily drop me off at work or I drove her car. My car had been in several accidents. The AC was having problems. The windows uh, didn't roll down very well. The brakes were extremely bad. Uh, It had been in a couple of crashes, so it was dinged up. It was a target for law enforcement, plus the tags were out of date, so it was a red flag. Um, So not necessarily the best car to drive. I load up all my belongings. I get my TV downstairs. At that time, I had a 52-inch projection TV. These are the old-school, giant, heavy, big-screen TVs you would get back in the day that really didn't look that great, and you couldn't really watch them during the day because the glare would be so bad on them. Loaded that up, loaded all my things, wrote a note explaining it wasn't working out. It was over. Don't bother trying to make it up because it ain't happening. And then I promptly left. So she was at work during this time. I only had a certain window to unpack, to get everything packed up. She worked for about five to six hours. So that's how much time I had to get everything loaded up and everything moved over into my friend Josh's dorm. And that's, I'm talking everything that I owned at that time. I called Josh. The first thing we did was the TV. Got the TV loaded up, drove to his place and unloaded. This was in February of 2005. It was a nice, crisp, cool day. The, the temperature got up to about 75 degrees. So perfectly fine to, to be outside. We come back to the apartment. And at this point, we've got about an hour left to go before she comes home. And I go to start the car. And it doesn't start. I crank and I pray and I crank and I pray and it doesn't start. 
My friend Josh pulls out his jumper cables, hooks them up from the truck to his car. We turn the ignition and it doesn't start. At this point, I've got an hour left to go before she's home. And the car is fully loaded. All my belongings are gone and I'm stuck right there in the middle of the apartment complex parking lot. When she drives home, she will see me standing there. It just so happens that about two months prior to this event, in December of 2004, while I was working at the Walmart in Arlington, my dad, who I hadn't seen in over a year, happened to walk into that store. He wasn't even living in Arlington at the time. He was living in Haltom City. He just happened to stop by there for whatever reason. We made contact, connected, got his phone number. At that time, he was the only person that I could call for help. So the call I made, and he said, give me about 45 minutes and I'll be there. Which was the exact same time that Emily would be coming home. So I told Josh we had only one option. We're going to have to put the car in neutral and move it around the corner to where she can't see us. And it just so happened on that day, Emily got off early. And the reason why I know that is because just as me and Josh were pushing that Delta 88 Oldsmobile fully loaded with a computer, several bags of clothes, all of my books, video games, movies, Xbox original, everything I owned except for my TV Pushing that around the corner of the apartment complex building, Emily comes pulling up. See her car? See those headlights? Just as I'm pushing the car around the corner. Thankfully, we went unnoticed. But within 10 minutes, my phone starts to explode. She is crying profusely, saying she's going to kill herself. She's in the bathroom right now with a razor. She's going to end it. She can't believe I would fucking do this. I'm a fucking coward. I'm a piece of shit. She can't live anymore without me. I need to come home immediately. She's not playing around. She's cutting her wrist. This isn't happening. Her father, I I, I tell her, respond back. I'm sorry. It's over. It's not working out. Please call your parents. Please call your parents. And I hang up. And that's the last that I uh, communicated with her directly. Any case, um, my dad shows up, we get the car started, drive the car to uh, Wendy's parking lot, just north of UTA, still there to this day, parked my car in the parking lot, spent two nights at my friend's house, got a dorm room at UTA that had just been vacated by two other students, had the dorm room to myself. That fall, sent an email to John asking him if he wanted to be roommates. He moved up and the rest is history. So, in retrospect... What did we learn? If you find yourself in a situation where you're unhappy and you're in a relationship with somebody or you're working a job you don't like or you're doing something that you just don't like and doesn't make you happy, you got a pretty good option ahead of you. You can just leave. 